Hey, welcome, folks. It's On to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by a sun-kissed Patrick Mooney. <laughs> uh, I should add, too, um, because it is among uh, my weirdest but most beloved hobbies, is watching the uh, you know phone videos that you guys are shooting out in Arizona. Love it. It's appreciated that the Beats do that for uh, the rest of us to, to follow along. But something I like doing is, is observing the other writers in the backgrounds of these videos. And you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong, but are, are you working on a little bit of a beard situation, Mr. Mooney? Uh, yeah, I guess I can confirm that. I mean, it's more out of laziness. I'm going to have to be at the <laughs> complex at 8 a.m. Uh, every single morning. And yeah, the the flip phone, you know, video things have just gotten out of control that there's like no place to stand if you want to actually <laughs> hear the player. So then you always have to be aware of, you know, these awful videos. And now Marquis there as well. And it's just this awkward uh, dance uh, around John Lester uh, when we're all just waiting for him to just say something brutally honest so we can go back and tweet it. We have to stand there and like not look, you know, pretend you're paying attention and, you know, not, um, you know, picking your nose and stuff like that. So. Yeah. I mean, I got to I got to comfort you a little bit that as a purveyor of screenshot faces, which I really I don't think I've busted that out on you too much. I gotta, I'm going to have to remedy that soon. Uh, but, you know, it, it's completely unavoidable that if if. If an asshole like me wants to, uh, you know, grab a, a random screenshot of of a writer making a funny face, it's just it's impossible through the you know course of a two minute video or whatever. You will you will blink in some awkward way that will look hilarious. And I do try not to traffic in those ones because I feel like that's a little too cheap and easy. It's more of like when there is a definitive facial expression that I, I find humorous and. Normally that's Sahadev, you know, there's, there's like a whole, <laughs> yeah, that's his one, thing. <laughs> yeah, there's like a whole one sheet of Sahadev reactions. I should add that, uh, he is, is not able to join us for this podcast. So that's why we can, uh, riff on him a, a little bit more. But, um, so anyway, uh, Sahadev will be back out at uh, spring training shortly. Uh, Mooney, you are currently still there, but you're coming back soon. Yes. Uh, yes, weather permitting here. I th we have planned it where we're like two planes crossing in the night, and hopefully I leave Phoenix and he leaves uh, O'Hare. Uh, but that is, you know, all contingent on uh, the snowstorm that seems to be getting downgraded. So that's what we're rooting ah. for. Well, good luck to you both on that. So, <laughs> uh, like you mentioned, um, the, you know, Marquee Network is up and running. And uh, we should, I guess, I guess it's fair to mention here at the top of the show that that was perhaps uh, one of the bigger storylines from spring training for the Cubs this year. I mean, we'll get into some of the spring training stuff, but it's it's not typical that you have something that is actually uh, new in a generational sense. And, and that is the Cubs finally launching their new TV network to, I would say, the reviews for the content so far have been good. Uh, it's limited as you would expect right now, but I think gen people generally enjoy some of the original programming that's been produced so far. Whereas the uh, issue has more been unsurprisingly that we're still waiting on some carriage deals 
in the Chicago area uh, for Marquee, and then you have providers that uh, perhaps seem to have been confused about their own obligations to actually turn the <laughs> channel on on Saturday. And um, but uh, you know, we're we're people. I'm guessing, like I saw the bit with uh, David Ross where he he mentioned, "Thank goodness for Marquee." Uh, have, have folks out that way been talking about the channel launch and other than the extra cameras around, you know, what have you noticed about the fact that now the Cubs have this uh, TV network that is covering quite a bit more of spring training than than we ever would have seen in the past? Yeah, I mean, they definitely have a pretty big presence on the ground in, in Mesa. And I think in the long run, uh, not to go all confused Tom Ricketts looking out into the Cubs convention audience like you don't like Marquis um I I think Cubs fans will appreciate the game broadcast I think a lot of the people they brought in are uh accomplished and experienced I think there is going to be an investment made uh and a sense that you know it is suboptimal to have three different um kind of production crews on three different stations running your games together. But, you know, this is not launched in a vacuum and there is kind of a general fatigue with some of the Cubs uh, long range and short term planning. Uh, and until Comcast picks it up, I mean, that's just half half of Chicago can't get it. So um, they got to get that out of the way. Um but yeah, I mean, I think you know Cubs fans will be interested to see kind of how they, you know, mic up Rossi and you know kind of the, they definitely get some behind the scenes access, you know, that no one else will get. And so the diehard fans, you know, will love it. But it's kind of the you know casual fans who are on the bubble in terms of their cable subscriptions that Comcast has to be you know concerned about. And I think they can kind of sit back and, you know, maybe something happens opening day. Yeah, I mean, I certainly don't think that despite the some of the frustration from this weekend at launch, I, you know, I don't get the sense that there was going to be any additional or sufficient pressure applied that's going to, you know, force either side or, or Comcast to kind of finalize a deal until we get close to, to opening day. And, you know, I think for me, um, what I see from fans is just, uh, essentially to not to put a too optimistic a gloss on it, but it's, it's really an opportunity for the Cubs, for Marquee and for the individual providers to see how this launch went, see where the, you know, areas that were missed, see where there's frustration, see where there's confusion. And sometimes you can't anticipate, uh, consumer confusion, uh, and now they've got this opportunity where they've seen some of those issues, uh, and if they want to avoid it at perhaps a hundred times the scale for opening day, they now have a month to work out those kinks. And so I'm hopeful that that will be the case. Um, and, you know, so obviously that launch on Saturday coincided with the Cubs' first Cactus League game, so that slate is underway. We will... Um, do you the uh, the courtesy, treat you like adults and not pretend that the outcomes of these games have any 
meaning whatsoever in terms of either projecting future performance or even um, going toward winning that elusive Cactus League Cup. But I do think that it is it's still always useful to for us as 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 observers of these games to still see okay you know who's healthy and how's the guy looking and and I do appreciate being able to see just for my own eyes anecdotally like how are certain pitchers looking after the offseason um knowing full well that they've got another month to to get up and into gear and um you know among the Cubs first starting pitchers for these games um was Tyler Chatwood and I did think, irrespective of how he looked in his one inning of work, I mean, what are you going to take away from that? I, I did appreciate the way he was talking after his outing about his level of confidence, um, about how he's feeling after another offseason of being able to put in the work to adjust to what he went through the previous year. Of course, in this case, the previous year featured um, really – significant improvement for him, not only over the year before, but as the year went on. I mean, it just seemed like he was really harnessing his arsenal much more effectively as the year went on. Walk rate just kept shrinking. Strikeout rate climbed to levels that uh, he hadn't really seen before in his career. And um, I think that that all would leave you reasonably optimistic about what he can be as perhaps the fifth starter. He's sort of the inside favorite for that job right now. Like, I, I think that you're going to see some Cubs fans that just won't believe that after what happened in 2018 when he was brought in on this relatively sizable deal, expectations for get him out of Colorado and, you know, some some really good things will happen. He's got a huge spin rate. He's got this great stuff. Um, and, you know, I'm not trying to sell people on that same storyline, but if you really do follow the performance from last year, then I do think it's a little more reasonable to come into this spring at least having that optimism about a still relatively young guy in the, the walk here on his contract. Yeah, I guess I wouldn't dispute that as much as um, I just feel like there's so much of this roster that the Cubs are trying to talk themselves into. And <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. You know, it's like if he was a fifth starter and John Lester was saying like year two of his contract, not year six, and if you Darvish had kind of done it for a full season and didn't have a Tommy John surgery in his background. And like uh, if Jose Quintana had been a, a little more consistent since he got traded from uh, the White Sox. And so, yeah, I mean, this is, <clears throat> this is Arizona. It's supposed to be uh, easy for them. I mean, this is like the absolute ideal uh, conditions or there, there's no pressure um, but I will say Chatwood did show a lot last year. I mean, he he could have just totally drowned uh, the last couple of years, and um, he didn't. He didn't complain. Uh, he's clearly worked closely with uh, the kind of pitching infrastructure here and made some changes and kind of realized, um, you know, where he could be more efficient and kind of more – creative to keep hitters off balance so um yeah i guess it's just like there's so many uh kind of coin flip guys here that you just have you know, no idea whether the, i mean these five guys like 
all five in this rotation could be all stars, but you don't really like know exactly what you're going to get outside of anyone other than probably Kyle Hendricks in the rotation. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, it's sort of the spring training thing that you do, particularly with either a team that you anticipate is going to be competitive or a team that you think could be competitive as you invariably you consider each individual player um, knowing what that upside could be. And you might have good reasons to point to it, like I just did for Tyler Chatwood. But of course, knowing that it's not going to happen for everybody and knowing that some guys are going to surprise to the downside and you need extra guys to cover that. And so um, I do think it's a good point that even if you're being gracious in the context of saying, well, I'm just saying that Chadwood could be good for a fifth starter. That's actually not even, I'm sort of like yelling at myself now. Like that's, <laughs> that's not even that good a point because in reality um, it's unlikely statistically speaking that the Cubs are only going to need a solid fifth starter to step up from among the Chatwood, Alzali, Mills group. Um, it's more likely that they'll, like you said, suffer some underperformance elsewhere in the rotation, maybe an injury elsewhere in the rotation. And um, having, you're probably going to need considerably more from Tyler Chatwood to uh, actually cover some of whatever that loss is in the middle of the rotation. And, and I would agree with anyone that says that if you're expecting Chatwood to suddenly, you know, put together a number three type performance this year, that's going a bit too far. So um, I think ultimately, you you're you want it's someone like me anyway that wants to like talk about this stuff you want more than these early games can give you or any games really in spring training can give you and um you know we've gotten to see now Alzali started uh, and gave an inning of work and uh, Alec Mills as well I think that if everyone's healthy and I'm not just among this group but also the rest of the rotation it's going to be Chatwood's job to be that fifth starter you know I think that's a combination of the the belief in his upside and how he turned his year around last year. Uh, also, I think it's, it's a product of that's what he was brought in to be. I think also, cynically, if things were to uh, not proceed effectively in the first half <laughs> for the team as a whole, but that he had success, you might prefer that he were the guy in the rotation having success that you could you know perhaps look to save a little cash there at midseason. So I do think that for a lot of those reasons, Chatwood perhaps carries a disproportionate um, storyline interest this spring and in the early part of the season. But you're right. Those, the, the questions about the whole group are going to uh, persist. And, I mean, the Cubs don't really have any surefire answers in the bullpen, and they've had zero homegrown pitchers since – Theo took over, but I'm not going to go all negative on you, Brett, because it's spring training. Um, I think, you know, we've seen and can kind of feel what you had mentioned, uh, written about uh, on Bleacher Nation, this idea of it was really hard to kind of switch your brain over to the season uh, after such a long, drawn-out winter with so much uncertainty uh, hanging over the team. And I do think um, – you can kind of start to see that now of, um, you know, the Cubs realize, realizing this is what, what we got. Um, and just talking to Steven Souza the other day, kind of introducing myself and talking to him for, you know, 10 minutes or whatever. 
you know, his locker is right by, you know, Chris Bryan and Javi Baez, and he's certainly noticed kind of all these like media scrums happening in his workspace. And uh, I think he did one, you know, group TV interview as well. And he was kind of taken aback by just how, not that he was complaining, but he was just like how <laughs> everyone was kind of writing off the Cubs before, like, you know, they even played a meaningless exhibition game. And, you know, he looks around the room and uh, I thought it was good to hear his kind of fresh perspective of like, you know, this lineup is stacked with all stars. Um, there's a lot of guys who've won at least one World Series ring. Uh, it was put together by uh, a front office that's built consistent playoff contenders in two of the toughest, you know, kind of baseball markets uh, in the country. And, you know, the Cubs are zero and zero. Uh, none of these games matter, but. Uh, David Ross, once he finally got over the flu, uh, I think he has brought um, kind of what the Cubs were looking for, just that kind of new voice, different message, different energy, yada, yada, yada. But uh, I think he's kind of um, someone who can maintain a, a lot of what the Cubs have done right over the years while also kind of, uh, you know, shaking up a clubhouse that quite frankly really needed it as long as he just you know no no kisses no um you know long warm embraces until <laughs> that um sickness is is totally uh eradicated but well, that's why uh, that's why rizzo had the uh, surgical mask on on monday <laughs> morning right. just walking around with that that was a good that was a good one and that's i and i noticed that uh you know ross's return uh you know, group this morning with the media. You guys, you guys seemed a little further set back. You know, just like a little extra distance, uh, for making sure. <laughs> he definitely. I mean, he definitely has a a, a presence. I mean, I know um, we've all seen him on TV before, but you just kind of got used to it. But it takes a lot of kind of presence and charisma um, and confidence to be able to do something like that. And there's a lot of skills that transfer over and I think it's been impressive to watch um and this is not just my opinion it's talking to a lot of people in the organization of just that he has an ability to command a room and you know that was the Cubs kind of big bet here that you know his kind of natural leadership skills would you know be able to carry him while he got up to speed on all these other systems the Cubs have, you know, going on in terms of, you know, game planning and, and R and D and uh, in-game decisions. And, you know, he certainly hasn't uh, lost anyone yet. And I think, you know, because we've known him for so long in a couple different contexts, I think, um, you know, he, he does kind of have what it takes to be, to be able to weather what is, going to be a crazy season because all Cubs seasons uh, wind up <laughs> kind of going that way. Well, and he already survived the, the first big test, which is he had to come <laughs> take the ball from John Lester in the game, uh, Tuesday's game, and he didn't get clocked. So that's, um, that's, that's a good uh, start. I, um, I was watching for that. And I will say, I will note, this is without casting uh, serious aspersions on the marquee, production but you know 
they cut away for a, an extended replay of the Rockies double that preceded the pull. Mm-hmm. And it's like, come on, man. I wanted to see John Lester's face the first time David Ross came out to take the ball. Spring training or no, I just thought that would be a funny, funny exchange. But no, no, got to see, you know, whoever it was, some, uh, you know, Rocky scrub guy slapping one into the left field corner. Uh, he's, one so, of those guys, he's one of those guys, though, you watch – even though he very I, I can't remember him ever like showing up a manager, but he's one of those guys like the way whenever Carlos Zambrano got pulled out, you had to watch him walk all <laughs> the way off the field into the dugout until he disappeared to a place where you couldn't see him anymore. And I I've, I feel myself doing that with Lester, even though he's never he's never like uh, you know, just dropped the ball or, you know, did anything like that, but he's just so so intense and looks so menacing that you assume he would do something like that. And I think he's made a point to be like, look, when have I ever done something like that? Like, you know, yeah, Ross, that's true. I will, I will follow Ross's orders because that's what I've done with every single manager in my like 15 year career in the big leagues. Um, well, you know, I'm still going to hold out hope for, uh, you know, a late March or early April appearance that, uh, Little bit, a little bit of a mountain exchange, just just among friends. What I want to see is is Lester giving him the business, and then sort of you know chuckling and, and tickling his ribs. I think that's <laughs> that's probably asking too much, but that's uh, that'd be that'd be much must see TV for Marquee. Uh, they won't cut away for a highlight for that one. So uh, yeah, Ross is back. You know he missed his own uh, spring debut with the flu, but uh, you know I'm sure it is. Uh, good for all concerned that he, he got the rest in fluids uh, that was needed and Jose Quintana also getting over uh, the same kind of thing. Hopefully it doesn't spread too badly throughout the clubhouse, but even if it did, I guess always better now than as you get closer to the season. I think about that with sickness often. I, I myself am just getting over a case of the flu, uh, but you know, see, I'm still here. Look at me. I'm, I'm sucking it up. Your podcast and her. I appreciate it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. There's no 10 day uh, IL for podcasting. <laughs> and um, but I do often think about how just even when you are a, a, a really finely tuned athlete, just a little, little sickness, how much it can you know degrade things just just a little bit. And yet you, you don't always hear about that. So just just shouts to the guys out there who are managing or playing through a little bit of a little bit of sickness and um Hopefully for the Cubs, like I said, that they, they avoid the worst of this, not not spreading too badly. And uh, otherwise, they'll keep grinding on through these uh, spring training games. Again, the results maybe not mattering so much, but we are seeing the Cubs working their way aggressively through appearances for the, the many relief arms that are trying to win a job with the team. And so um, the, that, I think, is probably an area where the, these – early set of spring games will be interesting to watch and we will have a little bit more um, uh, worthwhile appearance notes to discuss perhaps the next time we get together uh, for a podcast of this on to Waveland, which is the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic, which you can uh, listen to through The Athletic app. Uh, but also wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, we'd love for you to subscribe this season. We're going to have lots of good, fun episodes uh, coming for you. It's uh, me, Brett Taylor, 
Patrick Mooney uh, and his beard, which he will definitely keep uh, because it's going to you know keep the streak of quality podcasts going. You know, if you shave, we will just <laughs> fall apart. Uh, Sahadev Sharma will be back with us soon as he heads back out to Arizona. And otherwise, I think we'll probably look back, look to get back with you folks next week. We're kind of sticking, I think, with this uh, once a week ish schedule for spring training. And then as we get close to the season, we'll uh, get back into our regular uh, twice a week uh, offering. So thank you all so much for listening. And we'll talk again soon. Take care.